Hello, and welcome back to Podcast 71, a podcast just for our associates, where we take a deeper dive into our industry and the company we own. Whatever location you're at, you've probably seen some new faces in the past year. In fact, 2023 was one of our biggest years of hiring. And if you listen to the news, we're told there's a talent shortage. So how do we fill the needs of our growing organization with the right people? Good question. I'm Elizabeth Wheeler, your host, live from Studio 71. So what does it take to staff 22 locations? I wondered that myself, so I invited two of our recruiters today to talk about just that. Joining me is Alex Wolf and Ben Ziegler. Gentlemen, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Why don't we take a minute and introduce yourselves to our listeners? Alex, you go first, since you just celebrated about three years with the company. Happy to be here. It's been a good three years and continue to build on what we've done so far. I've been handling recruiting for, in my entire career, about seven years now, mostly salaried positions here at Parksite, but have done the warehouse and truck driving as well from Parksite standpoint and in my past. Wonderful. Glad to have you. Ben? I actually just celebrated one year with the company. Prior to that, I had worked with a staffing agency for four years, kind of on the opposite end of Alex, more of a yin and yang, I guess. Wonderful. Alex? question for you. How many employees did we hire company-wide in 2023? Company-wide, this was our best year. We did 333 year-to-date for all positions, Parksite and APC combined. Wow, that's huge. How does that compare to 2022? 2022, we did 299. So we are 34 positions over, but even the year before that, we were 242. So we've been steadily growing, and this is our biggest year so far. Wow, that is pretty big. How many current positions do we have open as of December 2023? 34 currently open between Parkside and APC. And that's better than we have seen in the past, like earlier this year. Wasn't it more like 60 plus? Yeah. So when we turned the year, we were 70 openings or so. We've dwindled that down a ton over the year. And I mean, even with turnover and backfills, we've been able to get that number down into the 30 range, which is a comfortable workload for all of us. So to say you all have been busy is an understatement. Yes, yes, 100%. <laughs> As I said at the beginning of the podcast, we've heard about this talent shortage facing every industry. What innovative and creative ways does Parksite take to recruit great employees? Basically, how do you guys sell Parksite? As far as selling goes, a lot of it is the company culture since it is kind of a unique workplace, especially being employee-owned. So I'll highlight the ESOP benefits as well. But a big selling point for me is company culture and growth opportunity that you don't really find in other workplaces. Since I've been here, like I said, I've only been here for a little over a year, but I noticed the difference in the company culture from the get-go. Even during the interview process, I could tell it was a bit different here. Having that fresh experience of that feeling is very easy for me to get the message across to any candidates that are thinking it over. And a lot of them do respond positively to that. I've recruited some management level positions, and even they have said after being hired that they could tell it was a bit different just from the interview process alone. I love to hear that. Alex, what would you add to that? I think that he covered it. I mean, the biggest thing for me, especially on the salaried side, is talking about company culture and the ESOP benefits and the employee stock program and 
going into detail on how that can benefit them both financially, but also keep them here long-term with our culture. And I really hit that home on every call that I have with every candidate from if it's customer service, sales, or executive level, that's the same conversation I have with everyone. Do you find people are familiar with ESOPs? I get a random one every once in a while, but for the most part, it's a new thing for candidates. So it's easy to explain and gets them excited about the interview process and getting a position here at Parkside. Do people ask a lot of questions about the ESOP? So I think back to years ago when I was hired, it was new to me. I didn't ask that many questions at the time. Do you find people ask how long till you're vested and things of that nature? They definitely ask a lot of questions. I try to give them as much information on the front end just to make sure that we're on the same page and they understand it. But throughout the process, they're asking questions and trying to get more detail on exactly how it works and what they can expect from a financial standpoint to see in their portfolio and what that means to our culture and how it continues to grow. So there's definitely a lot of questions that we get asked, but just being able to talk about what we see on a day-to-day basis makes it easy. Ben, do you find the same thing when you're recruiting for the warehouse in our drivers? It's actually a little different. Like Alex said, I do find someone who has heard about it, who's familiar with ESOP, and they'll usually ask some more questions just to make sure that they're correct in their thoughts from their experience prior. Blue collar and white collar, at least to me, they're almost two different sides of the same coin. It's almost like you're playing two different games of basketball. Like one is playing a game of horse, the other one's playing a game of 21. They're a little bit different, but you're using the same equipment. For blue collar, I feel it's more explanation to go into it. Sometimes it hits, sometimes it doesn't. Majority of the time it does though. It's sometimes I just feel like they're just ready to get started. They're just ready to get going more on the blue collar side of things. Glad to hear that. What tools do you guys use to create awareness of the jobs that we have available? For me on the blue collar side, I have the most success on Indeed. The other places that we've used in the past, we've actually kind of gone away from because they've just completely emptied out. Like you look at Monster, and ZipRecruiter, ZipRecruiter we once used and went away from. But I know Alex has had a lot of success with LinkedIn. Yeah, we got LinkedIn Recruiter this year. So it's been a huge help for us, especially on the salaried side, getting more visibility on searches and being able to direct recruit from people within the industry. That's what we're looking for from a salaried side, get more industry experience in here and someone who can kind of hit the ground running. So LinkedIn's been my biggest tool. We've used a variety of different web-based tools to recruit from. We've also done some in-person stuff. I know Ben has worked with some of the colleges, technical schools, driving schools. So we've definitely diversified our book in terms of finding talent and especially in this market we need to. So kind of a wide range of things. Dana, one of your other colleagues, has used some military recruitment sites in the past. She's definitely still keeping that going. And we've explored every option. I mean, newspapers to career fairs to home building associations in a local market to try to find candidates. We're really just exhausting every option. The home builders association, that's a good one. On average, how many resumes do you guys sift through? Is it hundreds and hundreds? I would say, yeah, it's probably in the hundreds. As far as giving an average goes, though, it really doesn't do justice to put an average because each location is so different. I could have an opening in Lakeland and it will get 200 resumes pretty quickly compared to like Fargo or Woburn will be open for a month and I'll get 10. The outliers are very far and in between. So it's tough to say. But yes, I would say just on a weekly basis, we're going through a good amount of resumes, probably close to the hundreds, I would say. You bring up a good point, Ben. 
Lakeland's different than Fargo. So I imagine that you guys have to know a lot about every market. So Connecticut, we have three locations. Is every one of those a little different? They definitely have their small differences, especially just the overall size of the workforces there, different management styles and different things like that. And, you know, their focuses as far as products that they're moving. And you kind of pick up on the trends as you go. It's very team oriented, the recruiting process. So management's always been a lot of help as far as deciding between each locations, how you're going to approach. That's interesting. So Alex, do you work with different members of the management team to really understand their needs? I know at one point in time that you and Craig Wheatley traveled. Yeah, we did. You partner locally with each branch and each manager and what they're looking for. That could range from just having a quick conversation, especially if it's a position like a territory manager that I've worked with a lot. A lot of our territory manager positions are the same, but the territories are different and the market's a little bit different. So Getting those nuances hammered out on the front end makes the conversations with the candidates a lot easier, but really getting into like that example with Craig Wheatley going on the road, basically doing a ride along for what the position is and being able to see it firsthand helps me explain it to candidates, helps me sell it to candidates. So kind of working with each location and what their job market dictates and what the sales market dictates is key for each position. So you've been out with Craig, Alex. Do you go out with other sales managers, say a George Dykemuller, more on the surfaces side, or Scott Thomas? I mean, are you continuing to build these relationships with key members of management? Yeah, I haven't been out with them necessarily, but I've definitely spoken to both and understand kind of what they're looking for from their team and what they expect. So yeah, partnering with upper level management is key, but even at the outside sales or the regional sales level or just the territory manager level and understanding what they do on a day-to-day basis helps me explain that to someone who's coming into that role. So it doesn't necessarily need to be the manager. I kind of pick and choose where I'm getting information from and who I'm getting it from, but it all helps me to better explain Parkside and the role. And Ben, I would imagine the same for you. You touched on that a little bit before, but have you been to certain warehouses where you have a better understanding of what is involved in a truck driver role or a warehouse or a supervisor? I haven't traveled to any outside locations besides Bolingbrook, actually, but I do make sure to keep in really good contact with the supervisors, the managers that I'm working with. I think building relationships is probably one of the most important aspects of recruiting is building those relationships with the management teams. Everyone is on the same page. We have a good idea of what the best candidate looks like, a good idea of what is going to be asked of each candidate, I think is huge because that's what you're portraying to them on the front end and really kind of selling to them and letting them know that exactly what they're getting into so they have good expectations and aren't hit with any huge surprises. So big communication between management is definitely key but also building those relationships is a huge, important aspect. I imagine. So would Jimmy Kiefer down in Lakeland, if he was looking for someone, would he just pick up the phone and call you and say, hey, Ben, I need some help? Yeah, definitely. (laughs) I've gotten those calls from Jimmy, always good calls (laughs) from Jimmy. But yeah, they're very open. I've been lucky with my management teams. They're very open and able to get a hold of me right away. And I'm always open to be proactive on searches too. I always tell them, you know, even if it's precautionary, just let me know and we'll get searching. In today's world, everything seems to be so remote. Are all interviews remote? Right now, yes. I've done in-person in the past at my previous workplace, but right now it's all remote for the most part for me. I don't know if it's different for you, Alex. I'm the same too. Most of mine are remote, either via the phone or Microsoft Teams. I will say that the interviews with the manager are in-person, but for us, it's mostly remote just over the phone or through Teams if we need it. 
Should a potential candidate be listening to this? And I do have to say that a couple of our recent hires have listened to our podcast before they came in for that face-to-face interview. What advice would you give a potential candidate? I think for me, don't be afraid to give us a little nudge. We're dealing with a lot of positions, a lot of people. We're talking, we're setting up interviews, we're working within different schedules for different managers. So follow-up email or a phone call. Hey, I just wanted to check in, see how everything is going, where are we at with the candidacy is always welcomed. And it helps us get back on track in terms of your candidacy. I hear that. Ben, what would you add to that? I'd also say just to ask questions while you're here for interviews, make sure you get the full picture and everything as far as expectations for yourself, but also ask questions about the things you're interested in. So you know you're finding the right fit for yourself. I think that's the biggest thing. And having that engagement from the get-go is a big help when finding the right fit. Oh, I agree. We want the right people in the right jobs. Now I ask all my guests, How does it feel to be part of an employee-owned organization? Ben, I'll start with you. You've been here a little over a year. I would say it's cozy. It's kind of a homey feeling. Like I said, it's different than other companies. I feel like it's team-oriented. Everyone is kind of all hands on deck since we're all employee owners. It feels more at home. I know what you mean. I felt it right away too. Alex, how about you? I agree with Ben. One of the things that I always say is Parkside has a family-type feel to it with a larger backing, right? So you get the connections and the internal partners that you get very close with. And it feels like Ben said, kind of like home, but you do have the technology and money to kind of back you to be successful in your role. So being employee owner is great from that standpoint, but also I look at it from a financial lens too. It's kind of, you get to see the hard work that you're putting in, in your individual position, paying off for the company. And you can kind of tie that number and be part of that success. So it's nice to feel a part of something a lot bigger than yourself. Thank you both for joining me and taking time out of your busy schedule. You've got important roles to fill within our organization. I've enjoyed chatting with you, Ben and Alex. Thank you for having us on. I appreciate it. Thanks for having us. And I thank our listeners for joining us too. If you have an idea for a podcast, please let me know. Until next time, we'll catch you later. Mm